It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome into another very special edition of the Lockdown Wolves podcast. Today, another crossover episode along with Lockdown Grizzlies, both Sean Coleman and DeMichael Cole join me on today's show to preview the Wolves-Grizzlies series. What does each team need to do in order to win this series? And we also give predictions. Who will win on Saturday? Who will win uh, in game one? And then who will win overall in the series? It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into a very special crossover edition of Locked On. This is Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves. I'm here with Sean Coleman and DeMichael Cole of Locked On Grizzlies. We're going to talk about Wolves-Grizzlies, the first round matchup of the playoffs. How's it going, guys? Now, now, so here's here's the quick question, though. We, we we need to sit here and define these layers. First off, Ben, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you, as always. We've talked before. But what level of crossover are we talking about? Are we talking about a D'Angelo Russell crossover? Are we talking about an Ant crossover? Okay. Are we talking about a Banger, which is a John Morant crossover? What crossover level are we talking about on the show, Ben? I guess we'll find out part way through, right? I guess we'll. I can't. I can't contest. I can't contest what you're saying. I can't. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, that's that's fair. The crossover. That's not D'Angelo Russell's game. We yeah, we can talk about enough. the D'Lo. We can talk about the D'Lo jaw head to head numbers a little bit later, probably. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, you That'll said be. this was, this was going to stay appropriate. We weren't going to talk about those numbers. Pleasure to be with you. Again. This has to be suitable for kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll How, get, how's, it, how's it going, Ben? Good. How you doing, DeMichael? Pretty good, pretty good. Let's 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 talk. Let's talk T Wolves and Grizzlies. I think this is going to be a fun series. This is this is definitely two of the best young cores, really exciting teams. It's going to be fun. It absolutely will be. And and Sean and I talked way back. This was man a year and a half ago, probably the start of last season when the Wolves played the Grizzlies twice in a row, and we kind of did this. You know, there was a number of former Wolves on the Grizzlies, and there was this uh, you know, Tyus Jones, most notably, but also like um, you know. Both teams were young, up and coming. Both were kind of predicted to be on the fringes of the playoffs. Obviously, Memphis has, uh, quote unquote, arrived much sooner. Um, and now we get to watch, like you said, DeMichael, two of the most exciting young teams in the league play a seven-game series. And a ton has changed in the last you know, 18 months or so. Uh, I, I, it should be a ton of fun. I mean, all four regular season games this year were fun. Even though they weren't all close, um, they were all exciting games. You notice he had to go with that first, to Michael. He had to he had to pull out the they weren't all close. Even though the rest of them were besides, <laughs> besides the thirty the forty three point Timberwolves win, they were all close. But but let's go back a bit. You know, to your point, Ben. You know, we go back to when we had those two episodes together before the 2020-2021 season, and we talked about the fact that you know it was it was a landmark moment. The Grizzlies had just landed. You know, John Morant. He had gone through his rookie season. The Wolves were coming off the excitement of landing Anthony Edwards with the number one pick of the 2020 draft. And so you you had your core, right? You had D'Angelo Russell. You had Carl Anthony Towns. You had Anthony Edwards. The supporting cast been a bit disappointing with Russell and Towns so far, but in the 18 months it's come together. The Grizzlies 
in a similar fashion, they didn't know at the time that they were getting such a complimentary piece in Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. coming into his own as a big. I would say it would be hard to find five other teams outside of the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves whose young core have co- young cores have come together as good as the Grizzlies and Timberwolves had over the past 18 months. It's been a lot of fun to see on both ends. Yeah, and and, and really, I the teams have been built super differently. The Grizzlies has been primarily through the draft. I mean, you talk about the Grizzlies have drafted so well. Obviously, Steven Adams, you know, a, a key acquisition. Otherwise, Kyle Anderson. But for the most part, built through the draft, the Timberwolves, you know, obviously Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns has been there a while, but D'Angelo Russell was a trade. Patrick Beverly, a trade, passed through Memphis last, uh, I think, August. Uh, Torian Prince acquired in a trade. Jared Vanderbilt acquired in a trade. You go on down the list, Nas Reed's an undrafted free agent. Jalen Noel, an undrafted free agent. Um, so the only real rotation guys that were that were drafted by the Timberwolves were Towns, Towns from a really long time ago, and then most recently, McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. Um, so pretty interesting the the difference there. Um and, and a lot of those guys Memphis has that they did draft and are playing really well. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh Desmond Bain are the two that come to my, Brandon Clark. They're all guys that I think a lot of Timberwolves fans at the time were hoping that the Wolves could land in the draft and they turned out to be fantastic players for now uh what is likely to turn into a a, a big rival for Minnesota moving forward. Yeah, and it's those it's those marginal gains, you know, but neither of these teams have really just taking a lot of swing, you know, for the fences. Maybe you can say D'Angelo Russell, you know, was more of that for, for, for the Timberwolves. But outside of that, I mean, the players that you just named, you're talking undrafted free agents. We're talking Desmond Bain, you know, the very last pick of the first round after being passed up by several teams. Uh, Jaron Jackson was another top pick, just like, you know, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. But for the most part, uh, this is how these young teams have to build these days. You hit on those top picks and then you get those marginal gains. You go trade for a guy, you know, like Patrick Beverly, who can set the tone defensively. And, and you go get a guy like Tyus Jones uh, for the Grizzlies, who stabilizes that bench unit and is why they have one of the best, you know, bench units in the NBA right now. I think, you know, just looking at how these rosters are constructed a little bit differently, as you said, the Grizzlies did a little bit more through the draft, but overall the concept of, they hit on marginal gains. You know, it's not, hey, let's go play, go pay $30 million for these three superstars and let's go trade for, you know, a guy like Chris Paul and boom, we're ready to be at elite status. No, they kind of, you know, took it on the chin, both of these teams, last couple years, and now, you know, they're ready to compete. Yeah, absolutely. And there's 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 a little bit of and you mentioned Chris Paul of the Suns. I mean, you look at what the Atlanta Hawks did where they kind of had this young you know, we're going back a year now, but they both had this young nucleus in place and they yeah. each added a couple of bigger pieces. Whereas the Wolves and the Grizzlies have done a little bit more you know, D'Angelo Russell being the exception, but a little bit more around the edges, you know, swapping. Uh, well, the Beverly trade is is a big one. Obviously, Jared Vanderbilt was. Um, seen at the time as a throw-in in in that massive four-team trade that also landed Malik Beasley um, a few years ago, uh, I guess just prior to COVID. So yeah, a little over two years ago. Um, So yeah, uh, interesting how these teams were built, for sure. Um, In terms of the season series between the two teams, four games, they all four games were split. Both teams won both of their home games. Um, The first game was that overtime uh, it ended up being like a seven point Memphis win. Carl Anthony Towns hit a buzzer beater from like 40 feet. Fantastic game. Went to overtime. The next game was a big Timberwolves blowout win in Minnesota. And then Memphis won a close game in Memphis. The Timberwolves won a close game in Minnesota. It was a ton of fun. Um, and we're in for a treat, I think, in the first round. Um, anything notable from from the season series for, for you guys? Uh, we'll get into why, you know, 
if things go right for the Wolves or, or how the Wolves will win uh, the series or how the Wolves could win the series and the same thing for the Grizzlies later. But anything specifically from the season series that either of you guys think is, is notable? 25 threes. 25 hmm. threes. In a four-game stretch, that is how many more threes the Timberwolves made than the Grizzlies. The Timberwolves made 62 combined threes in those games, Ben, and the Grizzlies made 37. And, and it's not just like the Timberwolves had an NBA record. In the four games, the Timberwolves made 15 or more threes in each of those four games. The Grizzlies made 10 or less threes. That is what really set off the ability for the Timberwolves to play. Let's say, to be honest, when it looks when you look at the numbers against the Grizzlies this year, that's when the Timberwolves probably have played some of their best basketball. And I don't mean that to be in any way, shape, or form facetious. I just yeah. mean that to be sincere. With Chris Finch coming in, the one noticeable thing, you know, obviously you know better than anyone over the past you know year or so, is that he has put a heavy emphasis on that three point shot. And as time went on, those repetitions early in the season, they made a difference late in the season, obviously. But that's what's really going to set the part in. In this series, even though Minnesota was able to make 25 combined, 25 more combined threes during the season series, the series was still split two to two. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies may potentially outshoot the Timberwolves in this playoff series, but if the Grizzlies can at least close that gap, I think it does help the Grizzlies. However, if they don't shoot well, that's how the Timberwolves will be able to make this a series and potentially win is by consistently hitting that three more frequently than the Grizz will. And, and adding on to that, uh, that three-point, you know, conversation that you just started, Sean, uh, John Morant is three for 20, uh, 15% from three-point range against this Timberwolves team. And those three three-pointers, all of them were made in that first game that you talked about earlier, been that overtime win. Outside of that game, he is 0 for his last 14 from three-point range against this team. I mean, John Morant isn't, you know, the greatest three-point shooter in the world, but he has consistently, you know, Sean, you can attest to this. He has consistently made three-pointers uh, this season. Anytime he's had a rough stretch, he's bounced back uh, really fast. He hasn't had, you know, stretches longer than maybe three, four games where he's been in a slump, but it's just really noteworthy because these games weren't lined up, you know, back-to-back. -back. It's the fact that over a three-game stretch, he shot 0 for 14 from three-point range. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, get a closer-up look in this playoff series. What are they doing? You know, are they giving him tough looks? Are they just saying, hey, you know, we'd rather him shoot than get to the rim? How will they guard him? And and will those, those three-point numbers in the regular season have any impact on how they guard him in this series? I actually yeah, remember, sir. though, Ben, before, I enter, before you go, I do remember, though, you said something on Locked on Timberwolves before the season started. You said that if D'Angelo Russell made 15 or more threes against any one team combined this year, you would officially change your name to Ben D'Lo Beacon. Do you remember that? You said remember. that was really he made he made 19 combined threes against the Grizzlies <laughs> this year. So it's time to it's time to pay up. Ben D'Lo Beacon, I think, is I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, uh, when but when you started that sentence, I was really nervous. I was thinking, what did I say? What did I say something <laughs> terrible about the Grizzlies? I don't think I did. Um, yeah. So, uh, to, I wanted to get back to the John Morant thing a little bit later because I do think his numbers against the Wolves this year, uh, it's it's fascinating. And sure. and I am hoping before the game on Saturday to go back and look and, and see you know the actual film of what happened and and why. Um, but I think. Well, I have a couple of theories that we'll get to later um, and, and how I think the Wolves could potentially slow him down in this series. But to your point, Sean, about the the Timberwolves' strength being three-point shooting, um, on the flip side, w one of the things I'm, I took from the four games earlier this season was the Grizzlies are the best 
uh, rebounding team probably overall in the NBA. They have the best defensive rebound rate. The Timberwolves for much of the year had the worst offensive rebound rate. They finished the year 27th in offense, or excuse me, defensive rebound rate. Um, so that's a Grizzlies strength and a Timberwolves weakness big time. And the Grizzlies won the battle on the glass in three of the four games. That means that one of the games that the Wolves won, which was the, uh, I guess it was the last game of the series, a five-point Wolves win uh, just about a month, maybe six weeks ago, uh, the Wolves were actually out-rebounded by 17 by the Grizzlies. They were minus 17 on the glass and still won the game by five. Um, the Grizzlies had 26 offensive rebounds in that game, which is insane. Uh, they had like, what was it? I think there were six guys with three or more offensive rebounds and three guys with five or more offensive rebounds. Um, the Wolves are just a bad rebounding team. And, you know, if, if each team plays to their strengths and the Grizzlies clean the glass and the Timberwolves, you know, make threes, what, you know, what, what happens there? How does this play out? I think it's just fascinating. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say to your point, though, I, if I remember correctly, I didn't do the the shot differential, you know, the possession differential when it came to shots. I didn't look mm -hmm. at that, but I'm pretty positive that we were within like five, seven of each other every single game. I remember the game that you were talking about, but I also remember if I'm correct, there was something that kept the shot possessions there. Like there was something that kept them close. I think in most of these games, like combined overall in se in seven of the eight game or in each of the four games, the Timberwolves had 90 shots or so. The Grizzlies had 90 shots. My point is, is that getting the offensive rebounds, limiting your chance of getting those rebounds, letting us get those rebounds, that's great. But if it doesn't lead to that possession edge that the Grizzlies need to be able to win like they've used all season to win, then that becomes even more important that the Timberwolves, if they are shooting the three well, what do the Grizzlies do to counter that? So I think that one big thing that stands out the Timberwolves did well shooting the three. The Grizzlies do well getting offensive rebounds. What gives early in the game? The Timberwolves starting off hot from three or the Grizzlies getting a significant edge when it comes to the possession battle? I think that will be a huge, huge factor in all these games. Yeah, number of possessions is fascinating too. The Timberwolves are the fastest team in the league in terms of pace and the Grizzlies are third. So like you said, both teams have this theory of the more possessions, the better, which isn't a crazy theory, but they're both live and die by it, right? It's as many possessions as we can get. It's as fast as we can play. For the Grizzlies, it's layups and dunks. For the Timberwolves, it's threes. Um, and, you know, something, like you said, something's got to give. All right, next I want to talk about um, what needs to go right for the Grizzlies for them to win this series. And obviously they're going to be favored in the series. Speaking of being favored, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the MLB season, uh, which, by the way, in terms of lines, this uh, Saturday afternoon's game, the Timberwolves, well, actually, I should say the Grizzlies are favored by seven. So Memphis minus seven, which I believe it opened at six and a half. So it's already moved in Memphis's favor, which surprised me a little. I, you know, I, I knew it would be a multiple possession line. I thought it would be around six, maybe even five and a half. Um, so uh, what do you guys think about minus seven? Minus seven is, yeah, it's, I love it's it. a, I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it feels high. It's, it's a nice, it's a, it's a decent game, but it's game one, you know, game one yeah. is a fill out game. So I, I think, you know, a bet online is filling it out just like the teams will. Yeah. Absolutely. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what the Grizzlies need to do in order to win this series. And and again, they're going to be favored in probably every game in this series. They're going to be expected to win, being the two seed. Obviously, they've been one of the league's best three, four, maybe five teams at worst all season. Um, so in your guys' mind, what do they need to do to to win? We'll say even win the series. We're not talking about Saturday specifically, but win the series comfortably in like, say, four or five games. Because I think... I, honestly, if the Wolves push the series to six or seven, I mean, that that makes life difficult for Memphis. It would be considered probably by many folks a win for the Timberwolves in some sense to push the two seed to six or seven games. So what do the Grizzlies have to do to close out the Wolves in four or five games and win this series relatively comfortably? They got to they gotta dominate the glass for one, but, but you got to contain, you know, the Wolves at the three-point line and they have to, you know, one of those star players, you know, one of the guards, you have to... to minimize their impact. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks being back has been a big talk around Memphis. You know, Dylan Brooks did not play in any of those four games. I talked to him, you know, earlier this week and he talked about, you know, his physicality, how he likes to impose that onto the game. Taylor Jenkins, you know, we asked him, who, who do you want Dylan Brooks on more? Do you want him on D'Angelo Russell? Do you want him on Anthony Edwards? He made it sound like he's going to, you know, Jockey back and forth in between the two, maybe whoever has the hot hand. Uh, me and Sean were talking about it. And, you know, I think Sean said Anthony Edwards. My my opinion was that he should start out on D'Angelo Russell for the fact of, you know, his M.O. is wearing a guy down. You know, through the first three quarters, he's one of those guys that likes to nip on your jersey a little bit. You know, the fans are looking like, oh, you're not going to call that foul. But, but you know, the refs don't see it. It's that veteran savviness that he has. And, you know, it's kind of like boxing. You know, you just take little small shots in someone's chest and then eventually, you know, they fall down. That's kind of how he plays defense. And when it comes to the fourth quarter, you know, we've seen, you know, in that last game, the Timberwolves beat the Grizzlies. It was D'Angelo Russell who closed it out in the fourth quarter. And that Timberwolves went over the Clippers. It was D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter. I think, you know, him wearing down uh, Dylan Brooks trying to wear down D'Angelo Russell will be a big part of that. And if he's able to do that, you know, you're forcing, you know, Anthony Edwards to pick up a, a big part of the scoring low. Um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, I don't think those guys, you know, will stop Cat, you know, um, defensively. Cat's a great player. He's one of the best centers in the NBA. But I feel like they have enough inside. Like if Jaron Jackson gets in foul trouble, okay, you still got Steven Adams, you still got Brandon Clark. You know, they have enough to be able to at least, you know, control it enough to where he's not scoring 40 points against them. Yeah, the the Dylan Brooks thing is interesting. I I had forgotten he didn't play in any of those games. And offensively for him, I know in past years, there was one game he, I'm pretty sure it was a career game for him against the Wolves. He's always been a Timberwolves killer for whatever reason, probably completely coincidence. I hope that's the case. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I from border. a Timberwolves. It's, it's like he's playing against home. You're close to the Canadian border. Oh, there you go. That it could be that it it really could be. I don't who knows. I, I mean, Andrew Wiggins always plays better in Canada. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um, I, I think the the Dylan Brooks thing is interesting. And generally speaking, Anthony Edwards is the more dynamic threat offensively. Delo is such an interesting player to guard because he's not physical and he's not athletic, um, and he doesn't really get to the rim very often. But he's so crafty. He's mm-hmm. in some ways like a miniature James Harden with the way he plays, and he gets. He gets the rip through call at least once a game. He'll do it when the team's in the bonus uh, and he'll get a rip through call, get to the line once or twice a game. Um, it's those sorts of things. And if he can 
if he gets hot and can pump fake and just get his head past you and, you know, hit a floater or whatever that might be, it's, it's, you know, when he's off, he's really off. And really he's kind of, he kind of beats himself in that regard. He's just a tough cover because he's so crafty. And when he's hot, he, you just can't stop him. Uh, but Anthony Edwards is, is the bigger problem overall because he can do so much with the ball in his hands. Um, Sean, what do you think? What, what's, what are kind of your keys or what you would expect Memphis to do if they're going to win this series? You know, I talked about one of them, you know, the definitely the three-point shooting, obviously, that we got to close that gap a bit. But to the D'Angelo Russell, John, John Morant conversation, you know, and this isn't to take nothing away from D'Lo, um, uh, Ben, is that D'Lo probably, let's be honest, D'Lo played better against the Grizzlies than he did any other team this year. 31 points per game in the four games, 55% from the field, 46% from three, at 19, 4.8 threes in those four games, and was a killer in the fourth quarter. He, he absolutely Absolutely was the difference maker. John Moran, 20 points, 15% shooting, 40% from the field. D'Angelo Russell played his at his best this season against the Grizzlies. John Morant played at his worst. There's got to be some positive regression there. And it's and if it happens, it'll be on the Grizzlies side. Another thing that's going to be very interesting for me is I do think Dylan Brooks certainly helps at least contain. One of those two players, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, contains the ability for one of those two players to take over the game for a long stretch. But there's also Carl Anthony Towns. And the big key for me in this series is the top of the key. That is where um, Carl Anthony Towns led the league this year when it came to points production. That top of the key shot that he is so lethal at making. The Grizzlies have the ability with Steven Adams, or with Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm not saying they're going to be able to stop him like DeMichael said, but at the very least, getting up on him, getting up on him to where he is not comfortable shooting that three, making him beat you by making the right pass or off the dribble. The more the Grizzlies can do that when Carl Anthony Towns is at the top of the key, I think that that can disrupt the flow of the offense just enough for the Wolves to keep him from getting into a rhythm from three. And so the defense on Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is an underlying narrative besides the threes and besides John Morant, obviously, being able to get back to his normal self than what he was this year against the Wolves. Yeah. yeah and, and the Towns thing is obviously everybody saw what happened against the Clippers on Tuesday. And if you go back and look at the regular season, Towns played his worst basketball against the Clippers anyway. He he played in three of the four games of the regular season. He averaged just four, 15 points a game, 33% from three, 42% from the field. The Clippers were the team that provided the blueprint on how to slow him down back in November. And the Timberwolves adjusted since then. Teams were putting their fours on Towns. So they said, fine, we'll put him in the post. And when teams started doubling and triple teaming him, they said, all right, we'll play five out. We'll put him on the perimeter. He'll face up and get to the basket and his drives per game skyrocketed. And that's how he dominated basically from January on was, was starting with the ball. Like you said, at the top of the key on the perimeter, um, if you play off him, he shoots a three. If you play up on him and it doesn't matter if it's a four, you can't put a five on him out on, on the perimeter. Uh, then he drives to the basket, gets fouled and scores. Uh, but teams need to have the right personnel and the right mentality to do, to do that. In the regular season, his members against the Grizzlies were pretty, basically just a, a notch below his his total averages. He was like 23 points per game, a little over nine rebounds, basically a half point or, or maybe a point, a half rebound below his per game averages. His shooting percentages were pretty in line with the season, 52%, 38% from three. So, uh, you know, he's always in the past had some difficult battles with Steven Adams. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't know how often we'll get him on Towns one-on-one or what the Grizzlies' exact strategy is going to be, but I don't know that they necessarily are going to be able to replicate what the Clippers did. I also don't think there's any way. I mean, Towns, I've watched probably every game of Carl Anthony Towns' career, at least 99% of them, and that was the worst he's ever played on Tuesday. So I don't think we're going to get that again. 
Um, and I also don't know if the Grizzlies will be able to execute the same strategy as the Clippers, but I'll be curious to see what they do. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with that. I, I don't want to say he's gonna, they're going to stop him. I mean, he, like I said, he's one of the best centers in the NBA. But the and the Grizzlies, I mean, if you look at the end of the schedule, they played Rudy Gobert, they played Nikola Jokic. Both of them had, I mean, I believe Rudy had a 22-21 game, and Nikola Jokic, it was the game where he set the NBA record. Um, he had an incredible game as well, and he basically played three and a half quarters. They both dominated against the Grizzlies. And the biggest takeaway when watching Jokic, because I think Carl Anthony Towns does some of the things that he does in terms of taking the ball from the top of the key, uh, dribbling, and you know, going into the post, taking taking big men off the dribble, is with Steven Adams. You know, you're not going to move him as much in the post in terms of playing bully ball and you know, dominating him there. And it's flipped with Jaron Jackson. You may be able to, you know, get get a hook shot or or move him inside of the paint where you want to. But you talk about how the Clippers, when they put those smaller bodies on towns uh, laterally, they were able to really control where he went. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has a better chance at doing that in terms of if and and you're talking about when he would be able to guard him. The Grizzlies closed the game with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson, so. Usually in those last four to five minutes, and sometimes the whole fourth quarter depends on you know how Taylor Jenkins likes to ride it out. He goes with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson. They're pretty switchable. They're pretty versatile defenders. And I think for the for the for the most part, if that happens, Carl Anthony Towns' uh, best chance at succeeding against those two will be you know going to the block and being aggressive in the post because taking Jaron Jackson off the dribble hasn't worked out just for a lot, not even with just bigs, but even guards. I mean, DeMar DeRozan came to Memphis with one of the hottest streaks in the NBA, and you know Jaron Jackson switched a lot on him and, and was able to slow him down. So that's kind of his strength and a big part of his you know uh, big season defensively. All right, uh, let's let's close the show by talking about uh, by talking about what the Wolves could potentially do to to make this thing really interesting over the course of the seven game series. First, though, Michael, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about our friends over at Built Bar? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Built Bar because we're we're talking about you know um, how this series could could get sweet for the Grizzlies, how they could get some wins, and if they follow these keys that me and Sean just laid out, they get a sweet victory, right? So our friends over at Built Bar, uh, they they have the mint brownie, the coconut almond. Uh, my favorite, of course, is the chai white chocolate cookies and cream. Sean, you know I love it. Uh, Built Bar, they prioritize the good taste, but they also prioritize you know being healthy as well so they do their magic with that making it healthy have as many calories as many of these other chocolate bars out here so go over to built.com use the promo code lock 15 to get your built bar and get 15 percent off of your order so both the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves this year have kind of been like your favorite car, right? The the, the uh, Timberwolves have been your well-oiled Ferrari, just with D- D'Angelo Russell being the engine that keeps them going. Meanwhile, the, the, the Grizzlies at times have been this old 87 beat-up Pinto that just have not played well. But here is the bad thing, Ben Beacon. Here is the bad thing. To quote Game of Thrones, winter is coming. And winter goes by the name of Dylan Brooks. Is your car going to be able to survive winter? That was a horrible segue into rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, an amazing place for you to go. Within a few clicks of the button, not only will you find what you need when it comes to the parts, but regardless of make a model, it certainly is there. And the great thing about it is, is that, listen, I'm sure Ben and DeMichael can speak to this as well. With car parts 
our needs. It certainly can be out of your budget, but this is a family owned business. They've been there for 20 plus years. They know that car parts are likely going to be expensive. So they make things economically friendly as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, hey, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you, especially Locked On Wolves or Locked On Grizzlies. I can't ever point anywhere. But make sure you visit rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. All right. Uh, awesome. Thanks, guys. Let's talk about uh, about what the Wolves could potentially do to win this series. From from my perspective, uh, we've talked – I mean, it'd be simple to just say the reverse of what we just talked about, but I, I truly believe that what the Wolves need to – the number one thing, really, is to keep doing what they did against John Wright earlier this season. And, again, I, I the Wolves play a lot of, of high-wall pick-and-roll coverage defensively, so they essentially blitz the ball handler. It's what – caused them to be the league's best team in terms of in terms of forcing turnovers and it didn't seem sustainable early in the season but then it turned out it was to an extent and then teams started to figure out okay we can beat this by skip passes excuse me skip passes to the opposite corner with back cuts you know with touch passes lob dunks um you know all these different obviously you got to you have to be able to execute and you can't be sloppy if you're going to beat that sort of a defensive coverage with long athletes like Jared Vanderbilt Jaden McDaniels um even Anthony Edwards now is starting to be much better in that coverage uh, but the, there was a blueprint to beat it. And so then the Wolves tried to mix in some different pick and roll coverages, but they obviously can't play. Um, you know, they could try and play a form of drop coverage against John Morant because he's not exactly a sharpshooter, but he's good enough from three. And also you don't want to get Towns backpedaling with John Morant coming downhill at him, get Towns into foul trouble. That's a recipe for disaster. The Wolves may try switching some pick and rolls, but I think it'll be a combination of switching and high wall defense to try and slow down John Morant. We talked about his numbers against the Wolves, his poor shooting percentage. He was like, just under 34% from the field in four games against Minnesota. And if the Wolves can continue to do that against Ja, they've obviously got a great chance. They split four games against them, right? Um, so that's number one. The other thing that I'm a little worried about is, is in the two wins that Memphis had against Minnesota this year, there was a role player who just had a phenomenal performance. Uh, and one of the wins, it was, um, uh, it was John Concha. I think that was the most recent win, the, the second of the two. He had like, what do you have? Uh, or did I flip? And 17 rebounds. Now, yeah, now, 15 and Bill, we got to make sure, though, that due to that game, he deserves the respect of his nickname. Do, do, do you know John Conchar's nickname, Ben? I do not. I do he, not. He, he goes by Jitty. J I T T Y. Jitty. They call Getting him Jitty, Jitty around him. here, baby. Getting Jitty with it. Ben Jitty Beacon sounds better than Ben Delo Beacon. Do we want to make a bet on the series yes. right now? Sean Delo Coleman, if the Timberwolves win, Ben Jitty Beacon, if the Grizzlies win. You want to put it on is the this, spot right now? You have to legally change your name. You want to do oof. it? I don't think I can do that. All right, that's fine. I'll get back <laughs> on you. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Go ahead, Ben. Maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a Twitter display name for a, for a week. I don't know. We, we could talk about that. We'll talk. I don't hate the idea. That'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Contar, 15 and 17 against the Wolves in that game. He made three threes. He was six of seven from the floor. It was just just a crazy game for a lot of Wolves fans that didn't really know who he was just kind of making his way into the Grizzlies rotation. And then in the first game it was Brandon Clark. And I think that was a big, I think the Wolves were up like 11 headed to the fourth quarter in that game. And it felt, you know, the Wolves had some momentum after a huge third quarter. And then Brandon Clark just went nuts off the bench uh, at the time for the Grizzlies, 20 and nine, Absolutely. eight of 11 shooting. Um, and I worry about Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., especially both of those guys on the offensive glass. Um, and if the Wolves can do a good enough job of being physical, get one or both of them into foul trouble, then I think they've got a shot in this series. But containing Ja to some 
to to some extent, however that's possible, and then making sure that uh, that they don't completely lose on the offensive glass, and some of these role players don't just get completely hot against them. Yeah, and, and I want to add one more thing too, if I if I can, uh, there being with depth because we, we we know more about the Grizzlies' depth, and, and there was the question asked, you know, uh, yesterday to Taylor Jenkins about you know how both of these teams like to get up and down. And this will be the difference between the regular season matchups and the playoff matchup. These teams like to get up and down and there's going to be frantic play. They're going to be crazy pace and you're going to want to play your starters, you know, a little bit longer than you do in those regular season matchups. With that being said, guys are going to get tired. Who who are the guys that that you just mentioned? You know, John Conchar, for example, as great as a game as he had in that uh, game against the Timberwolves, he's arguably going to be one of the guys who will be squeezed out of the rotation because the Grizzlies can go 11 deep, but John Conchar would be that 11th man. They like to play 10. So it's the depth for the Grizzlies. You know, Taylor Jenkins mentioned it. You know, he wants to ride those starters a little bit longer in this series, but if the play, if the the style of play is up and down, up and down, up and down. He's going to be, he's going to rely, you know, on De'Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, and Zaire Williams to come in. Do you feel like the Timberwolves, you know, from a bench perspective, will be able to match that? I think so. Uh, the Timberwolves have pretty solid depth as well. And it's in a similar fashion. The end of the rotation is a little bit, it's been uh, a little bit fluctuating really lately. Like Jordan McLaughlin has been a key part of the Timberwolves. Uh, really resurgence. They've been one of the top three offenses in the league and a competitive defense since January 1st. And Jordan McLaughlin as a backup point guard is actually not too dissimilar from Tyus Jones, um, ultimately in what he provides. But he didn't play at all in the play-in game, mostly because of matchups. The Timberwolves needed more offense. They were struggling offensively in that game. So Jalen Noel got those minutes. They kind of staggered him, Patrick Beverly and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, but uh, Chris Finch, the Timberwolves head coach, said today, uh, or said Thursday at practice, that Jordan McLaughlin would be a big part of the series. And and he's you know former G League, former two-league, two-way player, um, a guy that a lot of people don't know much about, but he's going to be a key part of this. Malik Beasley is probably the biggest name, the most well-known name, former starter. Uh, he was supposed to be like the sixth man this year, but he's had a poor shooting season, yet he still was among the league leaders in three-pointers made because every time he touches the ball, he jacks up a three. <laughs> if he gets hot, like, I mean... He could swing this series. Um, so it's some of those guys that are on the fringe of the rotation. We may see Jalen Noel squeezed out of the rotation. Torian Princeton played Tuesday. He's got, I think, a hamstring or a quad. Um, he's probably going to be available, but um, it's really, there's only the top eight that are kind of solidified um, off the bench. That means Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed. And then after that, it's some combination of Torian Prince, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, maybe Jalen Noel, uh, Josh Akogi, maybe if you need a stop. But uh, yeah, I mean that's one of the strengths I think of both of these teams, and it's always fascinating to me see how to see how these head coaches manage a shortened rotation in the playoffs, and uh, this series is no different. Well, the thing that I'll say is this: is that you hit the nail on the head, Ben. You know, looking at the Clippers Timberwolves matchup, I mentioned a couple of times to DeMichael, mentioned it on Twitter as well. One of the underlying narratives that scared me about a potential matchups against the Clippers or against the uh, Timberwolves was their bench sniper, the shooting surge that with Malik Beasley for the Timberwolves, Luke Kennard for the Clippers. They are much more prone to being able to have that going than a Grizzlies team that we've had DeAnthony Melton have those shooting surges, but which team is going to be more consistent in that? Which team with Melton off the bench, Tyus off the bench for the Grizzlies, 
Beasley off the bench or Noel McLaughlin, you know, for the Timberwolves, which team is going to get a bigger shooting surge into the first, into the second quarter to really get going into the game? That I think is going to be a big, big storyline to follow as well. One other huge storyline as well when we're talking about shooting is Desmond Bain. Eight of 30 this season from three against the Timberwolves. His three-point shooting or lack of it was just probably the biggest storyline of all which helped out the Timberwolves in that three-point differential. And it's not just the three-point shooting of Desmond Bain, Ben. It's also the fact that Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, the secondary, you know, the third, fourth playmaking options for the Grizzlies, they were so good. A combined four-and-a-quarter assist to turnover ratio among those three players over the last two months of the season. My point is, is that if you're going to make Ja Morant not be Ja Morant for times during the series, can the Grizzlies counter that by passing the basket? well, setting up the opportunity for them to be able to find those high percentage shots and making them. That is something that's going to be huge. I believe the Grizzlies won 31 straight games this year in which they had 25 plus assists and 10 plus threes. If we're consistently hitting that mark, I like our chances in this series. So to your point, which bench is going to be able to shoot better? Desmond Bain being Desmond Bain. And I really think for the Grizzlies to counter what the Timberwolves may be able to do for stretches against John Morant, can they counter and find balance on offense due to good passing from the rest of their roster. If they can, I think that that really favors the Grizzlies in this series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, again, I, depth is so interesting because it, it it doesn't matter as much in the playoffs in theory, but in practice, it, it usually does. At some point, there's, you know, you look back at any, you know, final series and there's always a, you know, a, so a random role player game that everybody remembers because they had a big shot or they had an uncharacteristically, you know, fantastic performance or whatever. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see who that is in this series. Um, let's close. I don't know. You guys want to close with a quick prediction? I, I mean, like, do we each want to say what we think will happen? Let's just say like Saturday and then also for the series. With the next Michael, factor, why don't you go first? With, like, you, 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 so, so Saturday, the series, and the biggest reason why you think your team will win the series. How about that? Yeah, sure. That works. There you go. Okay. So I'll say Saturday, Grizzlies set the tone, come out of, um, I think they'll go they'll go back and forth. I think game one probably could be one of the more exciting games in the series, being that they're gonna come in cold. But uh I say the Grizzlies win game one and they, they trade a couple games after that and uh they take it in six. I say I say the Grizzlies in six because we, we, we talked about the depth. I think overall they'll have more consistent players up and down, you know, Desmond Bain, uh, we took mentioned Brandon Clark off the bench, Tyus Jones off the bench. He won't play a lot of minutes, but he'll be there. D'Anthony Melton is, has been really hot lately. I think just from an overall weapons perspective, you mentioned the rebounding. Uh, the Grizzlies' half-court offense is not great, but when they play against teams, they can impose their will on um, from the rebounding perspective. It kind of negates that. And this is one of those teams where, you know, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark can really have success rebounding the basketball. I say six games um, simply because, you know, the Timberwolves are explosive and Anthony Edwards is going to have his moments like he has against this team. D'Angelo Russell will probably have his moment. Carl Anthony Towns will have his moments and they'll win uh, two games. 
I'm going to go ahead and go Grizzlies in six as well. Um, and I think that there's a very good chance it could be in five. That's no disrespect at all to the Timberwolves. It's just that I think that the Grizzlies are going to close two significant gaps. I think that gap where D'Angelo Russell it was during the regular season versus where Jaw was, it closes. The gap where the, where the Timberwolves were able to shoot the three versus where the Grizzlies were able to shoot the three, it closes. If those two gaps close, I think that where the Grizzlies shine, their higher defensive upside, I do think that they have you know a, a good opportunity to potentially be able to get that balance going as well. I think that those will take over. But I think the three-point differential closing, jaw being able to be jaw a little bit more, that's really, really going to help out. But the other thing that I also think really helps out as well, I think that our bench's defensive potential, being able to keep our starters fresh because our bench is going to be able to play good defense for stretches, I think that stands out as well. I'll go Grizzlies winning game one by eight to ten points and then winning the series in six. I think the Timberwolves will win on Saturday. I, I think the combination of a long layoff for Memphis and, you know, whether it could be a, everybody like to make fun of the celebration Tuesday, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're so happy with ourselves to come out flat on Saturday, you know, matinee game, whatever. I actually think it's going to have the opposite effect. I think that the Timberwolves are, are ticked off that people made fun of them for celebrating and they're going to come out and play well. Memphis may be flat after a long layoff. I am going to actually pick the same thing as you guys for the series. Though I had Memphis in six is what I, what I had written down. Um, I think ultimately Memphis, like you guys said, they're a little bit deeper. They're a much better, more consistent defensive team. And then the rebounding differential, ultimately, I think there is a little bit of that variance on uh, Desmond Bain's three-point shooting, John Morant scoring overall. Even if the Wolves do a good job against Ja, I don't think they'll be able to slow him down enough. And eventually Desmond Bain's going to make threes. Um, and, and Jaron Jackson's a handful. I, I think Grizzlies in six. I think the Wolves win game one. I think it's competitive. And uh, obviously if the Wolves can win game six and push it, or excuse me, I guess uh, game six would be in Minnesota. Um, I, you know, I think they could push it to seven, but most likely uh, it, it's going to be Grizzlies in six. But I think it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a really fun series. Hey, the last time that an upstart team unexpectedly won a play-in game and then went into a playoff series, they yeah. won game one. Now, they lost the next four, so we as the Grizzlies yeah. certainly hope that continues. But listen, I'm not going to sit here and push this narrative. The Timberwolves this year are last year's Grizzlies. I'm not going to push that. Y'all have good star power compared to last year's Grizzlies. But I do see your point. I, I just, at the end of the day, I think that there's just more consistent ability on the Grizzlies in defensively. And I do think that Dylan Brooks shows up in this series because I think that he knows how big of an opportunity this is for him to really cement how valuable he is. So I think he's a huge X factor. But ben, we, we, we got to put it on the line now. Now, I, I, we don't need to sit here and talk about legally changing names or anything like that. But let's let's put a wager on this series. So if we want to make it Twitter moniker, let's do that. I will go with Sean D'Lo Coleman for a week if the Timberwolves win. DeMichael, what do you have as your moniker if the Timberwolves win? Let's see. Ben, Ben, you call it. How, how about that? You, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's either got to be Ant-Man or, or something with, with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, you go Ant-Man. Throw, I, I guess, yeah, you do that. The Michael Ant-Man code. There we go. I, I like that. <laughs> I might have to change mine to Cat Coleman. I like Cat Coleman a little bit better. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm fine so, with that. So, so, so Ben Jitty Beacon. I mean, are, are we are we Ben Trip Beacon? I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out what we're. I, we're going to go with Ben Jitty Beacon. All right. Yeah, so it kind of rolls off the tongue in a weird way, but like you know, it works. Hey, 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 whatever works, but you, but you heard it here. Ben, all joking aside, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you for putting this together and, and allowing for this to happen. And uh, congratulations on the Timberwolves' success, and it is always a pleasure to join you. 
Yeah, likewise. Thank you guys for doing this. And uh, if the Timberwolves don't win the series, Memphis is one of those teams that I think Timberwolves fans as a whole, I said this earlier, that there's a lot of guys on that team that either used to play for the Wolves, Tyus Jones, Jarrett Culver, um, or guys that, uh, you know, Timberwolves fans wanted in the draft. So, I mean, the Grizzlies are a fun team to pull for, for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to the special Locked On Crossover Edition. I'm Ben Beacon with Michael Cole and Sean Coleman with Locked On Grizzlies. Have a good one. And there you have it. Another fun, fantastic crossover episode uh, with the team the Wolves are going to go up against. We'll see what happens in the next week to 10 days. Perhaps we'll do another one, maybe mid-series, depending on how things are going. The Wolves get down, I don't know, like 3-0 or something. I, I may not be interested in that, but we'll see how things kind of shake out. And uh, we'll obviously touch back in with Sean and DeMichael here as we move forward. That's all we have for you in the show today. Of course, we'll have another live postcast, myself and Chilanga Langison from uh, Zone Coverage in the CND NBA podcast Saturday following the game. It's a 2.30 p.m. Central tip on Saturday on ESPN. Immediately following the game, we'll go live on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. So, And that will also post after the live show on YouTube. We'll post that to this feed, to Locked On Wolves on all platforms. Of course, uh, we are available on all platforms. And thanks again for making us your first listen. You can find us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Um, and again, the postcast that will be live on YouTube on Locked On Sports Minnesota Saturday. We'll also post on the Locked On Wolves audio feed everywhere. Um, and then, of course, be available on YouTube as well on Lockdown Sports Minnesota following the uh, the live portion. So be sure to tune in this weekend. As long as you're making us your first listen, again, thank you. Please consider making your second listen, our friends at Lockdown NBA. From the first jump ball to play in earlier this week to the last possession of the finals coming up in a couple of months, Lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Be sure to make that your second listen. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.